Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Now to Trey Betty. Brought to yes, you yeah. by Asher Wrecker Service. 501-562-2293. Family owned and operated since 1980. Asher Wrecker. Dependable towing and vehicle recovery service. Ask for Asher. Good afternoon, Trey. Hey, guys. Well, did the uh, ballot turn out as you expected, whether it be for the preseason all-SEC teams or maybe the other Mm -hmm. way, the predicted order of finish and then the predicted overall champion, the Georgia Bulldogs? It played out exactly like I had predicted it would, not necessarily how I voted like it would. I just, I don't know, I like to mix it up a little bit every once in a while and just kind of, yeah, I've told you guys my stance on it. You know, is Georgia going to be, you know, three national champions in a row? I don't. I just don't know. I don't know if that's – I know it. when they come out with top 25 polls and stuff and, like, there's a top 10 and people always act like, you know, it's absurd to think that this team could ever lose, and they always do. <laughs> it's usually just one team standing, right? So, uh, uh, you know, I've just kind of taken that approach. People call me an idiot and whatnot, but, you know, it's just a preseason <laughs> – just a preseason – ranking that the media by the way gets right gets wrong every single year now, last year you remember you guys remember who was predicted to win last year in a landslide it's usually alabama Tennessee. alabama alabama yeah. georgia was the predicted yeah um and then alabama predicted to win the whole thing and lsu with zero first place votes <laughs> in the western division <laughs> That's the way it uh, – I mean, you got, you got to prove us wrong, right? They know that. They see that. They're thinking, oh, we got to, I'm going to prove them wrong this time. Uh, let's talk with uh, Graham. Graham, good afternoon. You have a question or comment for Trey. I do. How are you all doing today? Man, doing great. How about you? Doing good. Uh, Trey, I got kind of a quick two-part question for you. Um, so this the receiver topic keeps floating around. Um but at the same time, I feel like the tight ends don't get talked about a whole lot quite yet. But on mm-hmm. paper, that that group seems a little bit more athletic and maybe deeper. Do you foresee a chance for guys like Ty Washington or Shamar Easter to get receiver reps? Or are we looking into it too deep? And with this new offense, we'll have more tight ends on the field, and they're viewing that as kind of a supplement to the receivers. And I'll yeah, hang up well, and listen. I appreciate y'all. Yeah, it's a good Thank question. Thank you, Graham. It's a good question. I definitely could see – some guys used in a wide receiver role. Maybe they want to go with a bunch of big wide receivers. I could see, like, Shamar Easter being put in that role or Luke Haz. Luke Haz, last check, he was about 238. I think he was listed at 227 in the spring. He's about 238. So he's definitely packed on some some size. Um, but I don't know if he's big enough to be considered like an every-down, you know, in-line type of tight end. I think you're going to see what we saw in the spring. I feel like day one, day one, I think they came out in a two-tight end set, very first day of practice. So if that tells you anything, first day of practice, that's the set. Uh, it's that they're probably planning on using uh, those guys a lot. You know, I think Varkey's Gums is is very underrated. It's the guy that set the – well, he broke every record, every tight end record at North Texas last year. And, I mean, he was just a redshirt freshman. <laughs> so that's pretty impressive. Uh, but he's not a hulking tight end, 6'3", 230-something. Luke has a 6'3", 230-something. I've heard on, even on 
uh, gums that might, might be a little bit generous on, on the 6-3. Uh, so uh, Haz is probably the the smallest tight end, but he does pack a punch for, for his size. I mean, he will strike you. So I think we're absolutely going to see those guys moved around a, a decent bit, and we're going to see plenty of two tight end packages. When I asked Sam Pittman about which freshman could make an impact, because with the transfer portal these days you just don't see it as much, but I didn't even consider Luke Ass in the conversation just because, you know, it's a, it's a given. I, didn't, I don't even think I mentioned him when I asked the question just because Luke Ass is going to be possibly the biggest impact freshman on the team next year. Hmm. Uh, I guess you notice who made third team all preseason SEC uh, at the tight end position. Did you see who was on the third team? Trey Knox, yeah. Yep. I'm not – I don't think that Trey Knox is undeserving of that uh, recognition of the third team tight end. I even, when I was looking at it, I considered it, and uh, I considered Greg Brooks too at LSU. You know, I'm not going to let my, you know, any biases I might have, perceived biases, try to you know interfere with, with that. Um, but you know, Knox has to improve as a blocker. I was talking to the South Carolina guys; they're all you know excited about him. You know, they're kind of trading Jaheim Bell. We went to Florida State for Trey Knox kind of in a way. Um, and I just told him, you know, hey, he made some big catches for Arkansas last year, had five touchdowns, bailed Arkansas out on some third downs. He did have a tendency to tip the ball in the air, as we know, <laughs> a couple of times. And uh, he, I, Knox, he has to become a better blocker. But, again, that was his first full season playing tight end. Uh, just didn't know sometimes that he – he had the instincts. You know, you get he get caught watching the play instead of instead of getting involved in it sometimes. Uh, so, but you know, he'll probably improve in that area, just like everybody. You know, usually improves year to year. So, I don't think that's totally undeserved. Guy had five touchdown catches last season from the tight end spot. I think this guy should have made first team regardless, just because of his name from Alabama, Kool Aid McKinstry. Yep. Yeah, there's no question that. Uh, when you got a name that jumps out, I always used to say that about Bumper Pool. All he has to do is get 100 tackles. <laughs> if he gets 100 tackles, he's going to make the all-SEC team just because the name jumps out. That's right. uh, so, yeah, there's no question that Kool-Aid McKinstry, uh, that one that one jumps off the page. That and and what what did was around his neck. It wasn't a, it wasn't a necktie. Did I don't, you, did I don't, you I don't see remember. that? Did you see yeah, that? Yeah, no, I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember. Okay. I didn't spend a whole lot of time with the individual players, just kind of more on the coaches. Got you. And a few select players here and there. Got you. All right, let's talk with Charlie. Charlie, good afternoon. You have a question or comment for Trey? Yes. Can you guys hear me well? Yes, sir. Loud and clear. Well, I may hit an area here that y'all can. I'm hoping not. But I do want to say, Trey, you know, when you look at this strength and conditioning staff changeover, um, I was thinking about last year. Last four games, three out of four, it just didn't look the same as far as, like, how we were firing off the ball. And, look, I know when you go – I'm talking about offensive line and defensive line-wise, I just didn't feel like it looked the same. And I know you go through a season, you get banged up, and things happen. But I look back at that Liberty game, and obviously, yeah, we should have won, but it just looked like we physically didn't play well. I don't know yeah. if it was just we got our butts kicked physically or it was just like – we were taking them lightly, but it just felt like it wasn't there that day. So how yeah. much do you think – because when you see a guy like Landon Jackson go from – I mean, you know, you sell a thing. Everybody sells something when they're up there as a coach. But when a guy goes from 236 
to 280 or whatever he is now. I mean, and I know he's not the only guy that they've improved body-wise. You know, how important is that? Because to be able to go through a grueling schedule and then down the stretch, hopefully, not not necessarily just stay healthy, but to feel better down the stretch. I know it's hard because it's a long season. But anyways, I was just wondering. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Well, I don't think that there's any question as to why um, why they made the change right after the Missouri game. I mean, immediately, you know, fired the strength staff and the nutrition staff. And Pittman has said that much time and again. Liberty game, yeah, you'd like to think game's on the line. It's do or die at the goal line. You'd like to think that uh, you get an, enough push against, you know, a, a group of five program to win the game. And Arkansas couldn't do that. And the KJ again was banged up, and you know, I mean, he fought it like tooth and nail. You look at KJ's stats; you wouldn't, you know, just the total stats at the end of the game. You wouldn't say like, "Wow, he he was a disaster," you know. But it took a while for them to get going, as we know. So, I I, I think it was the whole season. You know, they may have gotten worse at the end of the year, but I felt like kind of the whole season. You know, if you're playing, you're lifting weights a couple times a week. If you're redshirting, you're lifting maybe four times a week. But if you're playing, you're li- you're lifting a couple times a week, kind of a maintain type of thing. And I don't think that they maintained it uh, throughout the season. So, I mean, the offensive line was supposed to be – I mean, that was supposed to be a team strength last year. And I, I thought they, they failed them sometimes there um, in short yardage and goal line. I mean, you got a 245-pound quarterback. You have a 237-something-pound running back. Um, and you can't get, you know, you can't convert short short yards. They did sometimes, but there were just too many key moments. I mean, how many time, how many games did Arkansas lose by, you know, a kick last year? Mm-hmm. You know, and those those things come down to a lot of times. You know, and Sam Pittman has said also he's got to be better at going for it on fourth down. Well, I thought they went for it too much at times on fourth down. I think that sometimes you just got to take your medicine and. You know, especially when you're Arkansas playing the way they have at the goal line, and you know, eventually you got to kind of realize, you know, we're not getting a push. We maybe just need to kick a field goal. We got a guy who's who's pretty solid back there. What did Cam Little have? 16 field goal attempts last year. That's not enough. That's not enough. So, um, and I, I get Sam's talking more about like midfield and stuff like that. You know, rolling the dice more and stuff versus maybe down at the goal line, but. Um, it was a problem, and, yeah, I think, you know, just based on some returns, I think Bo Lemmer squatted 645 um, heading into the, the 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 summer cycle, and I saw a video of him yesterday squatting. It looked like 705. I think it was I think it was 14 total wagon wheels, seven on each side. It was 45 pounds. The bar is 45, and then he had some smaller weights, so it was – at least 700 pounds that he was squatting, and there's not a lot of guys in college football that squat 700. I mean, usually if you do, it's guys that are, you know, in their fourth, fifth year. So that's that's a pretty impressive mark for Bo Limmer to hit. By the way, Trey, you mentioned Cam Little. Do you think the fact that he maybe didn't try more field goals, he's not even Why among the get, three best yeah. field goal. He's no not question. the three best kickers in, in the SEC? Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you how I figure it. I look and see what what's the percentage and what's the volume yeah. of kicks. Yeah. That's how I picked. Uh, now I picked Cam Little on there just because I know how good a kicker he actually sure. is. But when I look at punter, I mean, yeah, I'm looking at, you know, 
punts inside of 20, but that doesn't really tell you everything. No. I'm looking at average. What's your punting average? And that's, you know, that's how I'm selecting those positions. Um, you know, I look at uh, kickoff guy. I don't think they usually have kickoff guy on there, but they did this year. They also had long snapper, which I don't think they normally do. No. Uh, but kickoff guy, what am I looking at? Touchbacks. I look at touchbacks and, and average. You know, so it doesn't tell the whole story of how good Cam Little actually is as a kicker and how, how clutch he's been um, almost all the time. The Texas A&M game had that rough finish where it went off the top of the upright. But as Pittman said, Cam's also won them a lot of games over the last couple of years. He was actually 20 of 24 last year. He was 20 of 24. Is that how many he had? Yeah. I thought he was even fewer than that. Yep. So, uh, But, yeah, I think it I think it impacted um, – the reason that he wasn't wasn't on that list. 46 well, of 46 PAT. Well, that's 81% on your field goals, or 80, 83% on your field goals. Are these other three guys better than that? Are they kicking better than 80%, all of them? I mean, that's, that's really Randy, I've good. Got him 13 that is of, I've really got, good. Yeah, I've got Cam 13 of 16. I sort of say, I, I, as I look closer at this, Burks didn't play last year. Oh, you're looking at 2020. Oh, you're looking at the previous year. 2021. Okay. Yeah. I've right. got the, so I've got... 13 to 16's 81%. So is, is it the few number? Are, are field goal kickers making 81% of their field goals? Um, so Cam was fourth in the SEC last year. You had Jonathan Cruz uh, at 88%. He was 15 of 17. Mm-hmm. Will Reichard at Alabama was 84.6%, 22 of 26. Jack Podinski at Georgia was 26 of 31. So those are all significantly okay. more those except for Jonathan Cruz. Those but those good. are the top four. Yeah. Those are the top four. I mean, yeah. that's, you know, that's pretty pretty solid company. Yep. Okay, Trey, from, oh, this little piece of information. Um, thanks to Jeff and Monticello for my bus text line. It was a chain with a Kool-Aid man on it. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. All right. This surely, one, he, surely he's got a Kool-Aid NIL deal. Yeah, I, I would think so. Like you got to have a you got a football player running through a brick wall going saying, <laughs> you know, oh yeah. I mean that's that's a no-brainer, isn't it? Well, see, I always thought Bumper Pool should have had uh, you know a billiards contract mm-hmm. for somebody. Yeah. yeah. You see a lot of billiard tables ads on television? No. no. <laughs> but there's only one bumper pool. That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and there is in there a in there a bumper pool game? Yeah. There oh is. yeah. We yeah. had it when I was a kid. Well, that yeah. was the pool table we had was yeah. bumper pool was yeah. bumper pool. Yeah. yeah. They okay. could have had it bouncing around in a swimming pool too. There are swimming pool ads on TV. <laughs> That's true. Yes, there are. All right, this from our Asher Record Service Company Live Fin Feedback. Larry says it is imperative that we stay healthy this year it killed us last year so much of that is out of our control our is it uh i am curious uh outside of hiring the new strength and conditioning coach is there anything coach Pittman is doing different this offseason and in practice to help avoid injuries on a separate note landon jackson running 20 miles per hour seems fast what would that make his 40 time? Well, it's a, that's a top-end speed. So, you know, they used to – They I, I can remember, like, I remember when Carl Lewis was the fastest man alive, and, you know, it had, that's the first time I ever saw, like, somebody's top-end mile-per-hour speed 
listed, but you know, obviously you're not going to start off out of the blocks. In this case, you're not even in blocks in the 40. That's why it's ridiculous to compare 100 meter times and 40 times, but because it's the different, totally different start. But um, you know, you can't really. That's that's just his peak speed. You know, when he probably gets 20 yards downfield. As far as as far as injuries, though, yeah, I don't. I mean, coaches are always looking at things like that. You know, you you. You limit contact, but you also have to have contact. I thought they came out pretty healthy in the spring. In fact, healthy enough in the spring that the only guy that's not going to be participating as of now is Quincy McAdoo, at least according to Sam Pittman. And that was a non-football-related injury. So um, it sounds like they did what they needed to do to take care of guys in the spring, whatever that was. But you still have to hit. You have to tackle. You just do. It's football. Um, you, you limit it. It's not like even when I was younger, and I'm sure it's not like when you guys were uh, were, were younger. Um, I mean, back when my dad used to tell me stories about drinking water out of a mud puddle when he was in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> he was so thirsty. But uh, back when water was a reward. Um, but uh, I, mean, I felt like we, we full pads every day and hit live every day, you know, back then. And that was just in the 90s. So, uh, But now they, they definitely – do different things to, you know, to take things off of them. It's no longer fall camp is not just like grind them, grind them, grind them, run off the weaklings kind of deal. It's like get these, you know, grind them. But, you know, after a little while, you, you want to make sure they're healthy and and at, at peak performance when the game arrives, not just run down. And that was something also that's a little bit older philosophy. But um, injury-wise, though, guys, with what they've done in the transfer portal with bringing in 19 players, a lot of veterans, I mean, they're a solid three deep on the defensive line. We thought last year that they that the secondary was going to be better, and then they just got nailed with injury. I mean, they just got crushed with injuries. Uh, and there were some other issues in, on top of that. But, man, I mean, you run into a situation from a depth standpoint that you've got guys who can't beat out a true freshman wide receiver in Quincy McAdoo. I mean, that just tells you, the problems with the depth. So what did they do in the offseason? They went out and got Lorando Johnson, Alphaheem Walcott, Jaheem Singletary. I mean, those are those are three pretty big-time DBs and A.J. Brathwaite. And, um, you know, I think they've they've added a lot. Linebacker, to me, looks like it's good shape numbers-wise also. So from a number standpoint, depth, I think it's – and, it, again, everybody else is – you know, doing things to improve as a team and, and improve their depth now with the transfer portal. But top to bottom, I think it's, I mean, I don't want to jinx anything because I feel like I said that times last year, but <laughs> top to bottom, it feels like it's a pretty deep theme overall. All right, Trey, enjoy your weekend. I, I, yep. I tried to make uh, yesterday into uh, Friday, but today is Friday. Have a yes, great sir. weekend. There you, you go. Too. That's Bye, Trey Biddy, hogsports.com being brought to you by Asher Record Service Company.